0: Welcome to Whitewater Wesleyan Community Church, where we invite you to believe in Jesus, belong to his church, and become like him. Stay tuned for this week's message. Thank you to the praise team for leading us. And we do need him, and we need him in this hour. I'm reading from Luke's Gospel, chapter 14, and I'm reading a fairly lengthy passage of Scripture. It's the first 24 verses of this chapter, Luke chapter 24, verses 1 to 24. I'm sorry, Luke chapter 14, verses 1 to 24, and uh, I'm reading, I believe it's the New Living Translation this morning. One Sabbath, when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. There in front of him was a man suffering from abnormal swelling of his body. And Jesus asked the Pharisees and experts of the law, is it lawful to heal a man on the Sabbath or not? But they remained silent. So taking hold of the man, he healed him and sent him on his way. Then he asked them, if one of you has an ox, or I'm sorry, a child or an ox that falls into a well on the Sabbath day, will he not immediately pull it out? And they had nothing to say. When he noticed how the guests picked the places of honor at the table, he told them this parable. When someone invites you to a wedding feast, do not take the place of honor. For a person more distinguished than you may have been invited. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Then Jesus said to his host, When you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back, and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. When one of those at the table heard him say this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for for everything is now ready but they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I have bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master, Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the the blind, and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, go out to the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Celebrations are marked by good food and lots of friends, plenty of company. Jesus did not abstain from festivities. We know that his first miracle was performed at a wedding feast. Jesus accepted invitations for meals. In fact, much of his ministry surrounded food or the dinner table. And he was falsely accused, he was accused and falsely, I must say, of being a wine-bibber and a glutton. Because he enjoyed a good meal around the table with others that he could fellowship with. So in today's scripture, Jesus accepted an invitation to dine at a prominent Pharisee's home. A meal is enjoyed much more in in good company than eating alone. But Jesus' company that day was not all that enjoyable because the Bible says that they who were there, the Pharisees and experts of the law, they carefully watched him. Now, in watching him, they weren't concerned whether he would use the dessert fork first. But they were watching him to see whether he would follow the traditions of the elders, the law of the uh, Pharisees and the experts of the law. or And especially, would he disregard their laws concerning the Sabbath day? Would, they, would he heal this man who was obviously afflicted with some form of illness? Now the man life was not immediately, uh, it wasn't an immediate life-threatening illness, the one loophole that the Pharisees would allow for healing on the Sabbath day. But other than that, you were not to heal on the Sabbath day. So in all likelihood, the scholars tell us that this man was invited to do the banquet only to see if Jesus would heal him on the Sabbath. The Pharisees wanted to know whether Jesus was one of them. Was he like them? Would he follow their strict code uh, uh, concerning uh, religious things? Or would he break their codes, their laws, and their rules? And if he broke them, then they knew that they needed to treat him with hostility. Well, Jesus not only broke the law, broke their rules of the Sabbath day, he also demonstrated how incorrectly they were in interpreting uh, the law concerning the Sabbath, the original intention of a Sabbath day rest. So Jesus took advantage of this setting to give three parables about dinner parties. Three parables about dinner uh, parties. Now, most of Jesus' parables teach lessons about the kingdom of God. If you remember, uh, about a month ago, I spoke on three parables about planting seed. And in those three parables, we saw that how planting seed demonstrates the power and the potential of the kingdom of heaven. Well, today's banquet, parables teach about the nature or the characteristics of citizens who belong to the kingdom of heaven. Now before we go too far, I want to again remind you what is meant by the kingdom of heaven so that you have an idea of what we're talking about. It's also called the kingdom of God. They can be they can be interchanged. So Jesus entered the world as a king. You remember the Christmas story when the Magi went looking for Jesus. They asked this question, where is he who was born king? Okay, he wasn't born a princess. He was born a king. And so they were looking for a king. Well, the purpose of a king is to establish a kingdom. And so Jesus does this as king by establishing his rule in our hearts and our lives. So if we are citizens of the kingdom of heaven, we do things differently. We follow the principles and rules of the kingdom of heaven, which are vastly different than the rules of the world we live in. For example, in this world, see, the goal is to be served. In the world, the goal is to give orders. But in the kingdom of heaven, the goal is to serve others. You see, in the kingdom of this world... The, you know, the priority is look after self first. Make sure you're first in line. But in the kingdom of heaven, the rule is uh, serve others or sacrifice for others. A citizen of this world wants to gather all the wealth they can get and, and hoard it and keep it to themselves. But in the kingdom of heaven, you're known by generosity, by giving and, and helping out others. A citizen of this world is, is encouraged to get back, get even, settle a score. But in the kingdom of heaven, you're told to forgive. In the kingdoms of this world, you're told to hate your enemy. Don't have anything to do with them. Get them out of the way. But in the kingdom of heaven, you're told to love your enemies and, and, and use well those who persecute you. So there has to be a king in our hearts for us to live out the kingdom principles. And so he comes as a king to live in us. So that's one aspect of the kingdom of heaven. But the heart is not the only place where the kingdom of heaven will be established. The citizens of the kingdom of heaven anticipate a day when our Lord Jesus Christ, the king, will return in great glory and he will establish his rule. And when the kingdom of heaven is finally established, guess what? There's going to be a huge banquet. Like no other banquet you have ever attended. There is going to be a meal. And it's also referred to as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And and that supper is where the sacrificial Lamb of God, Jesus Christ, and who is the bridegroom of the church, he will come, and there will be a great marriage feast, and as the bridegroom, Jesus Christ takes the church unto himself. What a day that will be. The Old Testament prophet Isaiah foretold of this banquet. Way back in his day, he looked ahead and he saw this banquet. Isaiah 25, verse 6, he said, "...on this mountain the Lord Almighty will prepare a feast of rich food." For all peoples, a banquet of aged wine, the best of meats and the finest of wines. And the apostle John, in the book of Revelation, he looked ahead as well. He saw ahead in Revelation chapter 19. He said, let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory. For the wedding of the Lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. And the angel said to me, write. And here's what he was supposed to write. Blessed are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. Wow. Blessed, happy are those who were invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So in the context of these dinner parables, if you, were, if you had your Bibles open in Luke chapter 14, you would see that one of these men at the banquet that Jesus was at, that, that house of the prominent Pharisee, one of those men called out and said, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Okay? Because they're thinking feast. They're thinking, thinking banquet. They're thinking marriage supper. They're thinking also about the kingdom of God. So these two things must be kept in mind when you read this story. The kingdom of God, feast. The kingdom of God, banquet. The kingdom of God, a marriage supper. Okay? Okay? This forms the background. So let's again listen to the parables with this in mind. The first parable came after Jesus noticed how some of the guests at the home of this prominent Pharisee picked out places of honor. They, they sort of looked, walked in the room and looked, and, and they were looking for the best places to, to sit. They were status seekers. They wanted to be noticed. And Jesus told them that when they're invited to the wedding feast, to a wedding feast, they're not to take the place of honor... For someone more distinguished than they are might come, and they'd have to give up their prestigious setting. They were to take the lowest seats. And if their status allowed, they would be honored by being asked to move up to a higher place at the table. And then Jesus gave this principle. Everyone who exalts themselves will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. The second parable was spoken directly to the host. You always have to listen to who's the parable spoken to. The second parable, the first parable was spoken to everybody. The second parable is spoken directly to the host. And Jesus told him that when he gives a luncheon, not to invite those who could only afford to invite him back. Because if he did so, all of the goodness and generosity would be of no eternal value. All his investment would be repaid when he received a return invitation. Instead, he was to invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. Those who had no means of paying him back with an invitation. And then he would be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. That is, he would have a seat at the great wedding banquet. The third parable was about a man who prepared a great banquet for a number of guests. Now, you need to understand something about the wedding invitations back there or or invitations to banquets. There were two invitations sent out. First, if I was going to invite you to a banquet today, I would send out Pastor Peter. And he would ask all of you, are you interested in attending Pastor Lloyd's banquet? And you would say yes or no. And then Pastor Peter would come back to me and he'd say, I have so many who said yes. And he'd have the names of those people who said yes to the banquet. Then I would get everything ready because now I know how many are coming. And then when my meal was ready to be served, I'd send Peter, Pastor Peter out again and say, okay, tell everybody who said yes to come because I'm ready to serve. okay. And tell everybody to come. And so Jesus' parable begins at the second vin- invitation, verse 17. He says, come, for everything is now ready. However, the guests at once began to make excuses. They couldn't come. The timing was inconvenient. It just didn't work out. We thought we'd like to come, but oh, we don't want to come. And, and, and so they one had just bought a field. He wants to go look at it. Uh, another one just purchased some oxen, bought a tractor. Haven't tried it out yet. I'm going to try my, my tractor today. You can't come. And the last one said, I just got married. I, I, all you women should be yelling at this point. Why can't she come to the banquet? Did he forget to put her name on the list? Was oh, he going to go to the banquet himself? But, but he said, I, I just got married. Well, when the servant reported the excuses... The angry host told the servant to go out in the streets and alleys and bring in the uh, crippled, the blind, the lame, and uh, um, the crippled, the blind, the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. Notice that's the same list that Jesus told the host. When you invite someone to a banquet, invite those four types of people. Same, same list, same order. So the servant went out and he did that. And then he came back, said there's still room. And he said, go out to the country roads and by lanes and, and compel others to the banquets. So that's your three parables. So let's try and digest them if we can. Because primarily, they put forth the characteristics of a citizen of the kingdom of heaven. Here are some characteristics... Of those who are living and serving in the kingdom of heaven. First, citizens of the kingdom of heaven are marked by humility. See, remember the first parable was spoken to the status seekers, those who are wanting the places of honor. They want it to be somebody's, And the principle at the end of the parable tells the story. All who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Interestingly, that, those same words are found just a few chapters later in another parable that Jesus told. The same words. So we have two parables with the same ending. Okay, And the other parable is the parable of the Pharisee and the tax collector who went to the temple to pray. And the Pharisee, that is, he was a religious guy. He prayed all about himself. He thanked God that he wasn't like other people. He thanked God that, that, that he was sort of special. He wasn't like other men. He wasn't a robber. He wasn't an evildoer. He wasn't an adulterer. And he wasn't even like that tax collector that even thought he could come to church today. He was special. And, and, and uh, he boasted about all that he gave. And he boasted about a tithing. He was really great. And he was very good, at least in his own eyes. Well, there was a tax collector who also went to the temple to pray. And, and uh, the tax collector was included in the story because there was no one who so completely contrasted the Pharisees and a tax collector. Pharisees were very, very good. Tax collectors were very, very bad. Just opposite ends of the pole. They were the lost of the lost. Tax collectors knew his standing, both in the eyes of God and the eyes of man. And so he knew he was a sinner. He didn't even dare to lift up his eyes to heaven to pray. He looked down. He beat his chest and he said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So the story is about two men who went to church to pray. One bragged and the other begged. And Jesus gave the outcome. To everyone's surprise, it was the tax collector, not the Pharisee, that went home right with God. He went home justified. His humility was what gave him standing with God. And the Pharisee thought he was okay, but he was badly mistaken. He was blinded by his own pride, prejudiced by his own sense of importance. And then Jesus stated the the principle. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and they who humble themselves will be exalted. So the citizen of the kingdom of heaven is not a status seeker. They don't have to have control. They aren't looking for the power seats or places of influence. They don't bully. And they're not aggressive. And getting their own way. See churches. That's where the citizens of heavens should gather mostly. They should be the most cooperative. The most serving places in society. Churches should be a place where people get along. More than any other place in the world. Because aren't we citizens of the kingdom of heaven? But sadly, we forget, and we revert to the principles of the world around us, and we push and we shove, and we demand our own ways. We're not showing principles of the kingdom of heaven. We forget what it is to be in the kingdom. Well, secondly, citizens of the kingdom of heaven are marked by generosity in the second parable, Jesus said to the host, he said, I don't want you to invite those who will make return invitations. He told him to invite the poor, the crippled, the blind, and the lame. And, and, and this tells us that the presence of the man with the swollen limbs was at the Pharisee's dinner, not because the Pharisee had any compassion and wanted to be kind to him, but because he wanted him there to bait Jesus into an argument. That's the only reason he invited the man. To the meal to see what Jesus would do with them. And and Jesus knew that. And Jesus knew that 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 man was at, at that dinner that day, not because this man all of a sudden found kingdom principles, but he was using the man in order to trick Jesus. And Jesus knew it, and Jesus turned the tables on him. Jesus spoke to him and said, you know what? When you invite people to your meal, you shouldn't have an ulterior purpose. When you try and be kind to someone, you shouldn't have an ulterior purpose. So when you invite people to a banquet, you shouldn't be looking for a return invitation. Because when you get a return invitation, you have no no record in heaven. It's written off. There's no, no savings in heaven for that act. See... The generosity that counts in heaven expects nothing in return. It's given out of sincerity and generosity of spirit. And if it's given for any other purpose, it's lost. It's no good. Jesus goes, oh, don't write that one down. It's no good. You see, Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, you know, if you want to find out principles about the kingdom of heaven, go to the Sermon on the Mount. That's basically the constitution of the kingdom of heaven. And you'll find the principles of the kingdom of heaven in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthews chapter 5 to chapter 7. Okay, that, that's, that's great teaching on the kingdom of heaven. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said this about giving. Watch out! <clears throat> it's got an exclamation mark, by, by the way, in my, my notes. Watch out. Okay, when do you say those words? When somebody's just about ready to fall off a cliff or something. Watch out. That's what it says. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose your reward from your Father in heaven. When you give to someone in need, don't do as the hypocrites do. blowing trumpets in the synagogue and streets to call attention to their acts of charity. I tell you the truth, they will all have received the reward. I'm sorry, they have received all the reward they will ever get. But when you give to someone in need, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Give your gifts in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. In the kingdom of heaven, everything we do in order to be impress others, to look good, to get a pat on the back isn't credit. Credit it to our heavenly account. We get what we want when someone comes to us and says, Wow, that was good of you. See, if we do it just to get commendation, we get rewarded in the commendation. Living in the kingdom of heaven is not about appearances. It's not about appearing good. So others will boast about us and say how wonderful we are. It is about giving of ourselves, of our money, of our time, and of our talent freely and generously, lavishly, giving as God gives himself. Paul wrote something similar in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3. You've heard these words at mostly every wedding you've ever attended. If I give all I possess to the poor... Okay, everything. Lock, stock, and barrel. I, if today I gave all that I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship, that I may boast, hey, look how good Pastor Lloyd is. Pretty special guy, eh? And have not love? What's, what's Paul? You know what it is. I am nothing. Zilch. Nada. Not a thing. I'm nothing. Now, citizens of the kingdom of heaven, one last point, have replied to the invitation. The invited guests in the third parable, once they were told, come for everything is ready, they had already agreed that they were going to attend the banquet, but when it came time to go, they begged off. Now, they didn't offer reasons. They made excuses. And there's a world of difference between having a reason and making an excuse. You know that. They didn't even apologize. They were too busy. They had places to go, people to see, and things to do. We don't have time. Now, in their excuses, we have the nature of sin. We understand what sin is. See, we think of sin as doing something grossly wrong. And we think if I do something grossly wrong, God is going to separate himself from us. But it's not in the doing of wrong that separates us from God. We're already separated from God. See, the doing of of wrong is not the thing. We're separated from God because we have self-centered hearts. We don't have room for God. See, sin is just an excuse not to be part of the kingdom of God. You all have received invitations to be part of the kingdom of heaven. And whether you are a part of the kingdom of heaven or not today, it depends on your decision. And you have either entered the kingdom of heaven or or you have made an excuse. You, You have said something like, oh, I'm not interested right now. I got too much on my mind. Or, or maybe later. Or, or you know, I, I just want to spend a few years doing my own thing. I just don't want to be squished into doing anything. I just want to spend a few years doing my own thing. I want to have my own fun. Maybe, Maybe, I'll, go to, uh, maybe I'll, I'll accept that invitation later. But you forget the invitation is only extended for so long. And so we we ignore the invitation. And what's the result? We're left outside the kingdom of heaven. We do not attend the marriage supper of the Lamb. And in the kingdom, the king, the host, is not going to allow all this food to go to waste. And he has this opportunity to bless people. So he says to his servants, I want you to go out there and I want you to find everybody who will accept the invitation. Anybody at all, anybody, uh, anywhere, if they will accept the invitation, tell them to come on in. Because I want my house to be full. I want this to be a banquet of banquets. So anyone at all. And the kingdom of heaven belongs to those who will accept the invitation. Those who are sick of sin. Who are broken by life. Who are desperately in need. Those who, who are without hope. They hear the invitation, and mostly they are the ones that enter into the kingdom. And they are the ones who will eat at the great banquet. While many who attend church, and I want you to hear this, while many who will attend church every Sunday, and who seem to have life perfectly in order, they will remain outside simply because they will not accept. The invitation. They just won't say yes. I'm ready. Me. See, they may be quite surprised. We might be quite surprised at who eats at the banquet. And who doesn't eat at the banquet. We might be very surprised. So in the introductory story of this chapter, the Pharisee invited a man with swollen limbs to a meal, and he invited Jesus to see if Jesus would heal on the Sabbath day. He invited the man not out of generosity, not out of compassion, but as bait to see what Jesus would do. And Jesus understood that, and he used the opportunity to turn the tables on the man. He healed the sick man, and then he used the banquet setting to expose the man's pretense of religion. The Pharisee was a status seeker, concerned about his position in life. The Pharisee was not a giver, he was an investor, wanting others to see what he gave. And the Pharisee was much too absorbed in his own kingdom to accept an invitation into the kingdom of heaven. And these three parables, these three parables are really meant for us. The Bible is really written for the church anyways they they're for us here today not for those who are driving by see the parables challenge us are we religious is that all are we just religious or are we sincere followers of Jesus Christ is he really the king of our lives Does he impact every decision we make every day of our lives? Who are we? Only you can answer that in your own heart. Do we attend church and remain outside the kingdom? I can't imagine anything more horrible. Yes, I go to church every Sunday. But are you in the kingdom? Have you, have you entered in? Have you heard the invitation, come for all things and ready? And you go, yes, sir, I'm hungry. Let me at it. Do you anticipate a great banquet? Have you accepted the invitation? Hear the words of Jesus. These are the very first words of Jesus when he went, started his ministry. Know what it is? Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is here, is near. Repent. Change your way. Quit following the ways of the world. Enter into the way of the kingdom. Stop living like the world's living. Start living like I want you to live. Repent. That's all it is. For the kingdom of heaven is here. Does anyone like to do that today? Anyone just like to bow their heads and say to the Father in heaven, Lord God, I thank you for the invitation of the great banquet. But I have been living to myself. I have been making excuses. And today I'm putting away the excuses. And I say yes. Mark me down as a citizen in the kingdom of heaven. Would you do that? And if you did that today, tell Pastor Peter or Sandra, Megan, myself, just let us know. Because the great invitation is here. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. Will you stand with me, please? Eternal God, Father, I thank you for the invitation. Thank you that you are the God that loves us. You're the God that cares for us. You're the God that reaches out to us. And it doesn't matter who we are. It doesn't matter our status in life. It doesn't matter whether we've done a good job with our lives or whether we've messed up bad. You still give us the invitation. So give us the courage, Lord. Give us the desire to say yes. And we'll thank you.